Georgia Martell, and you're listening to the Oh Shit Twins podcast. So today we're going to be deviating from the usual subject of being a multiple parent, but when you find out who the guest is, I don't think you're going to mind. Today's guest is Charlene White. Yes, Charlene White from ITV News at 10 and Loose Women. And if you didn't know, she's also a patron for the Bowel Cancer UK charity as a mum passed away from bowel cancer when she was 21. I want to say a special thank you to Bowel Cancer UK for making this interview happen. If you think you have symptoms or if you know anyone that's currently suffering from bowel cancer, please check out their website for further information, bowelcanceruk.org.uk. And I hope you enjoyed the interview. I just want to start off with saying thank you to Charlene for agreeing to do this interview. So the first question I'm going to ask, how has the transition from the news to daytime TV been for you? It's interesting because obviously I've been doing lunchtime news, gosh, for a really long time now. Um, And that sort of fits into the ITV daytime uh, slate. But it's just the transferable skills, really, isn't it? I sort of look at it as essentially me doing the news, but with a lighter spin, I guess. Um, And it's been wonderful. Um, All of the the panellists, the the hosts on Loose Women have just been marvellous and really supportive. And the entire team has been supportive. And I've been really, really enjoying it. It's it's nice to to do other things as well as doing the news. The news is my first love and will always be my my first love. I'm a bit of a geek when it comes to news. But it's nice to be able to to branch out and try my hand at, at different skills and see where else I can use those new skills that I've been building for gosh well over two decades now I just want to start off with saying thank you to Charlene for agreeing to do this interview so the first question I'm going to ask how has the transition from the news to daytime tv been for you okay so thank you Charlene for agreeing to do this interview with me uh, we're going to be touching on uh, your career what's been happening with you transition over to daytime television and just your thoughts and feelings on how your industry is kind of progressing with representation. So definitely the first question is, how has the transition from daytime TV, from the news, how has that been for you? It's interesting because obviously I've been doing lunchtime news, gosh, for a really long time now. Um, And that sort of fits into the ITV daytime uh, slate. But it's just... It's transferable skills, really, isn't it? I sort of look at it as essentially me doing the news, but with a lighter spin, I guess. Um, And it's been wonderful. Um, All of the the panellists, the the hosts on Loose Women have just been marvellous and really supportive. And the entire team has been supportive. And I've been really, really enjoying it. It's it's nice to, to do other things as well as doing the news. The news is my first love and will always be my, my first love. I'm a bit of a geek when it comes to news, but it's nice to be able to, to branch out and try my hand at, at different skills and see where else I can use those new skills that I've been building for, gosh, well over two decades now. It was a big celebration, I would say, with a little bit of backlash regarding the Loose Women episode with four black women on daytime TV. I know growing up, I've never seen that before. So for me, it was beautiful to see. I just want to know your thoughts and feelings. I just want to know your thoughts and feelings on how the producers suggested the show to you and how it came about. A really natural process, really. And 
you know, all the pieces are there to be able to do it in terms of panelists and, and host. And all of us were really excited about getting involved and doing it. Um, and just making it, I think the big thing for all of us was, was making it sound and feel like us, as well as it being, you know, your regular loose women. And they sort of gave us free reign, which was really exciting. So, you know, even things like choosing the music, we, um, uh, we were all talking about memories of the meeting in the morning and we're talking about growing up and the memories of being at, our parents being at blues dances and, and us as kids having to be upstairs in the bedrooms whilst your parents are downstairs enjoying and we're like oh and then we're talking about the the, the songs that we recognize and the music that our parents used to love dancing to and then it was one of our producers that was like well why don't we play that in the show like yes that's amazing so, you know, it was a really collaborative, creative process in terms of uh, the way that we, we structured the show, the sorts of things that we wanted to talk about. And we wanted to, I don't know, um, introduce viewers to, um, you know, a different way of doing things, I guess, and introduce them to music that they'd never heard before. Um, introduce them to, to stories of growing up, which they, they may not necessarily have been aware of. You know, we just we just wanted to be us and, and and enjoy ourselves, and I think we were able to do that, which was wonderful. And what was great is it was largely positive in terms of the reaction to it. You know, you're always going to you're always going to have people that don't necessarily like what they're seeing on TV, and that's the nature of TV. I don't like everything that I watch on TV. I may not necessarily abuse people online as a result of that but you know it, it you are always going to have people that don't necessarily uh, uh take to what it is that you're doing on telly um but it was largely positive and we we absolutely had a blast and it was absolutely marvelous and and i'm i'm so proud of of both the on-screen team and the off-screen team so with the negative comments how did that make you feel i know even some people was like oh this is just a great gesture and is there any moves to making things like that episode more regular so we can see that kind of representation? You know, when, when people sort of uh, talk about the, the fact that it, it, it's a bit too much, it's a bit too much having this on the it, it's a bit too much. Look, I've been a journalist for over 20 years. I've not suddenly fallen out of school and landed on ITV News right. and then popped next door and pushed myself onto Loose Women. I've had a long career. And I am experienced enough to be able to try my hand at things and be trusted to try my hand at things. Um, so when it comes to, to backlash, look, I've been getting backlash from the first moment I appeared on, on ITV News, gosh, 14 years ago. Um, you know, and that was when Twitter and was very much and Facebook were very much in their infancy, really. Um, and, you know, people, rather than complaining to me on Twitter, they'd be complaining to me on email. So it's, it's something I'm very used to. And if I allowed um, abuse to, to stop me from what I'm doing, I wouldn't be sitting here right now talking to you. And I've worked far too hard and made far too many sacrifices for a career that I absolutely love to let faceless people who choose to... Um, uh, abuse women online to take that away from me. No one has the right to take that away from me. And so I won't allow it to happen. That's definitely the right attitude. Uh, of course, with progression and change, some people are going to feel uncomfortable and it's on them to deal with it. And 
it's what people choose to be uncomfortable with. It's like, are you uncomfortable with more women doing sport right now? You know, historically, it was a very male sphere. Are you saying you feel uncomfortable with all this change where women are suddenly allowed to like sport and allowed to do sport broadcasting? Or is it just the race issue that you're uncomfortable about? Is, 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 is that the thing that you feel is too much? And if you feel it's too much, then you really have to have a conversation with yourself about why. I think people are always quite uncomfortable with understanding their own prejudices as though that's the offending thing. Me telling you that you are prejudiced, that's the thing that's offensive, as opposed to the views that you have being offensive to the likes of me. And I think sometimes we just have to be very honest, have honest conversations. And, and yes, if you have prejudice, admit to the fact that you are, that you are prejudiced and then do something about it. Don't sit there and go, well, I'm not, when well, I'm, I'm not, when you clearly are. There are ways in which, you know, people can work around their own uncomfortableness, be honest with themselves and then work through it. Because being consistently angry where change is concerned is a very tiring pastime. You know, and it's a very aggressive and very tiring pastime. And I think sometimes just sort of sitting and looking at things a little bit more objectively, that takes far less energy. I think it may make some people far happier. Do you feel that there's the same effort to create representation behind the screen? Because, of course, producers, they have a lot of say of what actually appears on our television. So <coughs> if that's not being changed as well as what we see on screen. The change is going to be really small baby steps when we've kind of been waiting a long time now. I think all the initiatives that all the broadcasters are bringing out at the moment reflects the fact that off screen, we're not at a level where everybody is, is, is happy with and comfortable with um, in terms of being a fair representation of the UK. You know, TV and especially news has a lot of kids, a lot of kids, a lot of journalists working within it who went to private school, for example. I was private school educated, so I, I fit into that bracket. One thing I've always made sure that I've done from the first moment that I started in the industry is I've made sure that I get a percentage of my hours back. So I've worked in pupil referral units. I've worked at schools. I've worked within community radio stations. I've worked and donated my time and mentored to bring more people who are not privately school educated into the industry. And I think it's, a, it's down to responsibility. Not everybody thinks that way, but my gosh, imagine what the TV industry could be like or the media industry full stop if more people understood the importance of passing it forward. And I think we have lots of initiatives that exist, but one thing, we've always had initiatives. Initiatives have existed for decades. You know, it's, it's one thing I think we all have to make sure, um, you know, one thing we always have to make sure that happens is that we don't bring people in at that starter level and then don't progress them through. Or, you know, they have a ceiling which they're not able to break through. We have to make sure that those barriers, be it race, be it sexuality, one of the big things is class. You know, we have a huge class system here, which, which they don't have in the same way in America, for example. But we have a huge class system here. And irrespective of, of, of your race, there are lots, you know, the working class are locked out of a lot of the industry because they don't talk the same language, perhaps, or they don't behave in the same way, perhaps. And, and people tend to employ within their own image. Just stop employing within your own image. Just look at people's talent look at what they could become, look at the 
the impact they could have on your industry. Look at all of these things as opposed to just employing within your own image and within your own class. And, you know, we could be an even more powerful industry than we are already. Yeah, so that's a point I always make. Even knowledge is a privilege. I think I realised that as I've gotten older where you just, you can't put yourself forward for things if you don't even know they exist. So sometimes it's literally down to that. Sometimes people don't even know where these initiatives are or they don't even feel they have the access to find them, apply for them. They just already automatically feel that they, that's not where they're supposed to be, where, you know. It's, it's, and it's, you know, it's cross, you know, it's a cross media uh, uh, situation when it comes to, you know, music. You know, I, yeah. I, I worked on extra few years when it, you know, when it comes to music, when it comes to journalism, when it comes to TV, when it comes to radio, all these things. There are, there's a whole section of society that has consistently been locked out and, and technology has been the biggest blessing ever when media is concerned because you have people who have taken the ball by the horn and said, okay, you may not want me on your network, I'm just going to create my own space and do it myself and do it incredibly successfully. And that's, that's, across, that's across the media and music industry. Um, and imagine, imagine what, you know, the, culturally where we could be at in the world if we'd opened those doors in the first place and didn't make people feel as though they had to go and do it by themselves. I'm going to just switch gears. I just want you to touch on your show for those that don't know about it. Just give a little intro to what's that all about. And I know you created the idea whilst on paternity leave. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I think it, it, it's a very good uh, reflection of, of, of the fact that I don't do well sitting at home on maternity leave. I don't do well just sitting at home and doing anything. So what, does, what do I choose to do at the tail end of my maternity leave? Come up with a programme idea in the middle of a pandemic. Um, it was because I was sort of sat at home watching everything to do with George Floyd unfold, um, having conversations within my family and my extended family. And gosh, there were so many black talent, black TV talent who were calling and having conversations with me. And it was bringing up a lot of trauma for them in terms of things that they've had to deal with in the industry and the way that people have been very dismissive of them when it comes to race and just, just generally having conversations with people about it. And one thing that became very evident is that when it comes to children within black families, we have conversations with our kids about race very early on because they're going to be victim of it. But who's making them a victim of racist abuse? Other children. So when people sort of talk about the fact that children are too young to learn about race, well, so they're too young to learn about race, but they're not too young to dole out racist abuse to those who don't look like them. So I felt that it's an important conversation for us all to be having with our children regarding race, because, you know, I'd be on the, the nursery run or hanging out in the park and just chatting to other parents and they'd say, oh, no, no, my kid doesn't, doesn't need to learn about race or racism. They don't see, they don't see colour. Like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. So I just thought, do you know what? A really good way to try and spark conversation is by having a, a, a programme which talks about race and, and racism. And, you know, I, my dream was to have families sit down and watch it and then together have a conversation about it to gain more of an understanding of what it is, what its impact is, and how kids can identify it and perhaps be there for their friends when their friends are victims of it. Because for me, in, in, in my opinion, the only way 
to change things and to change the cycle is to start from the very beginning and starting with children is starting from the very beginning. Now, what was it like actually working on your own show? That's a different... Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. So I'm having to start working on the show when I'm started, just as I went back to work, working in, obviously working within news, working in news within a pandemic so the day job was stressful Mm. enough really and then doing that and then having to then make a tv program which i've never done before so i've never had to deal with budgets i've never had to deal with staffing i've never had to deal with choosing a logo choosing wording um choosing animation choosing an animator choosing a graphic designer all these things i've never done before so having to do all of that alongside the day job. And um, I took on an old friend of mine, uh, Jess, as exec producer, because she'd worked in children's before. And Jess very much held my hand through the entire process because you know it was very evident early on that I'm the ideas person. I'm a creative, I'm an ideas person. When it comes to actually bringing it to fruition, and concentrating on the, you know, the really minute bits that you have to really concentrate on. I'm not so great at that. Um, and Jess was great at keeping me focused, um, understanding that I had a day job as well. So she knew what times during the day was a good time to run ideas past me. That's usually just before I have to go down to the studio to do the news um, and all of that stuff. But it was, it was amazing. It was amazing. And sitting and watching it when it aired on ITV, um, was the most nervous I'd been for a really, really long time. Mm. I just, I paced the floor the entire time. I was just pacing, pacing, pacing. Because um, I haven't been that nervous for so long. But it's that kind of nervous energy that's a good thing. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you're challenging yourself. Yeah. And I'm, 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 I'm not very good at just sitting there and doing the same thing over and over and over again. That doesn't satisfy me. Challenging myself is what satisfies me and looking ahead to the next challenge. That's what makes me happy. I mean, you'd think, you know, working full-time and having two kids would be enough. No, 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 no. Of course not. (laughs) So a bit of advice for the working mums. How do you, how have you managed your work, the work-life balance and keeping and everything? That's such an interesting question because my friend Jude called me yesterday um, to talk about exactly the same thing. And she's going to call me back um, this afternoon to talk about it properly. Um, it's, it's, I think I've had to be the most organized in my entire life since having kids. As you all know, you have to be the most organized because those balls drop at home has a massive impact, not just at home, but at work as well. And I have to be, I I need to be able to concentrate at work and not be worrying about what's happening at home. And the pandemic has shifted things slightly because my other half works from home as a result of the pandemic and hopefully fingers crossed when things start get loosened he'll be able to go back to working in the office but things it, it, it's having to be hugely organized and it's having a childcare routine that works and then being a nursery helps with that um i'm i work because of the kind of hours that i do i'm there in the morning and I've always been able to be there in the morning and to be able to do drop off. I've always been able to do that, but I'm never home in time in the evening to be able to do bedtime. And to be quite frank, they are the grumpiest and moaniest <laughs> time, as any mum will know. So I'm not hugely that bothered about that time of day. Um, and we have, we have um, a babysitter that picks them up 
and brings them home and gives them, you know, their dinner um, and pops them to bed. And I will do a big pot of food at the start of the week uh, for them. Um, I don't work Wednesday, so that food can last Monday, Tuesday. I then do another pot of food on a Wednesday, that last Thursday, Friday. And I was at the start really pushing myself too much with, with them preparing food for them on a Saturday and, and lunch and stuff on a Sunday before I then cook that big pot of food for the following week. And I just realized, you know what? I don't, it's, they eat really well and they eat their vegetables. They can have days where all they're having is oven pizza, nuggets, chips, you know, whatever. I now have reached that point where it's like, it's not bad to give them that stuff on occasion. Oh. So on a weekend, you know, they're not, they're not eating all this or freshly prepared food done by mum because I'm tired. Mm -hmm. So that's where, that's where a freezer full of stuff comes into play. You have to, there's so I know for me having twins, you do get to a certain point where you just have to say to yourself, no, I can't do it all. And because I can't do it all, I'm not a bad mum. And I don't think there's anything wrong as a mother admitting that you have passions outside of your home or your motherhood. So yeah, what one day, two days a week, your children will survive on pizza. <laughs> They'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's, that's one thing I've definitely learned since having two. I mean, you know, you you started with two, so goodness <laughs> no. I mean, you're like a superwoman. But I think that's one thing I've learned since having two is that it's all right. It's not dropping the ball. Giving them a, an oven pizza isn't dropping the ball. It's just maintaining my sanity. So, you know, I know they eat fresh stuff all through the week and they absolutely love their fruit and vegetables. And they, they to be honest, if they could only eat fruit and veg, they'd be perfectly happy with that. Um, so they have, they get the vitamins they need. So having like off time is, is completely fine. And that's one thing that I've learned and I've stopped beating myself up about it because they're healthy children. So it's fine. So moving on into self-care, how do you care for yourself? We're recording this over Zoom so people can't see what I look like at the moment. But as you will see, Georgia, I'm in my exercise gear at the minute. Um, so I do, um, uh, it's raining today, so we couldn't do it outside, but a neighbor of mine is a Pilates teacher. So before lockdown happened, I do like a class once a week in her loft and then lockdown happened. So we've been doing it outside, but it's raining today. So we then did it on, on zoom. So that is like my time just for, for me, the phone's nowhere near me. Um, emails nowhere near me, the laptops nowhere near me, and I concentrate and I do that class for an, an hour, which has been incredible. I I need to find something else though to keep my mind occupied. So I keep sort of saying, yeah, tomorrow I'll start going for a run. Yeah, tomorrow, tomorrow I will start going for a run. Um, in my head last week was okay, I'll buy a bike and that's when I'll do like some outdoor stuff. And I'm still bikeless, and I put it down to the fact I can't find a bike. But I'm sure if I, if I looked hard enough, I'd be able to find one. Um, but in terms of self care, uh, it's it's having that hour doing a Pilates class once a week, but also having pockets of time that's just for me. So if I don't start, if I'm working a late shift, so if I'm working two in the afternoon to eleven at night, not feeling like I've got to keep the kids with me longer during the day, rather than send them to nursery, it's now like no. They'll go to nursery at the regular time. I can then come home, potter about and do things that I need to do and oh, maybe watch a show on Netflix or something and then go into work um, and not feel guilty about it. I've stopped feeling guilty about like not spending all my spare time with my children 
because they don't need to have me all the time. They're very independent kids. No, but that's good. But that's what you want to encourage. So there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I want to move on to, is there anything in the pipeline for the new year? Any plans? If you can let us know anything that you're working on. Well, (laughs) everything's happened. I mean, this year has been crazy, Georgia. I mean, people are always very surprised when I say, I've only been back from maternity leave since June. So I've only actually been back from back. I've only worked half the year. I obviously did some kit days early on in the year, but full time I've only been at at work for half the year. And it's just been incredible. A lot has been packed into this year. When I came back from maternity leave, I had no idea that all of this stuff was going to end up happening. So I'm very much live with the view that who knows what's coming. You know, I'm, I'm currently at the end of my first week off since I've come back from maternity okay. leave um, because I've just been exhausted and I needed to use my leave. So this week's been nice. I, you know, I still sent the kids to the nursery, putting like letters and numbers up in his wall and all of that stuff. Um, and I feel like I'm easing myself into the end of the year because, you know, who knows what's going to end up throwing itself at me at the start of the year because everything, you know, things have a way with me of just not magically happening because I've worked very hard for it, but just suddenly going a bit crazy. Yeah. yeah. But I feel like I'm armed with, uh, I, you know, I'll make sure I rest over the Christmas <laughs> as much as you can with two toddlers, um, you know, so that I'm ready and raring to go with whatever is thrown at me from January. So this year has been a really crazy year and unfortunately grief and loss um, has been a prominent factor and a prominent theme throughout the year. And I know you lost your mother to bowel cancer at 21. So has anything from that experience maybe helped you support anyone during this year? Also, is there anything new that you learned about yourself? God, that's a really good question. Um, I don't know. It's been interesting because I think what I've learned is the skills the skills that I learned when my mum passed away, I think those skills I've realised in that way of dealing with grief and loss and being able to help others who are dealing with grief and loss as a result of coronavirus. I've realised that those sort of, the skills and the sort of tricks you learn to deal with grief and all those sorts of things, I realised that those things never leave and you're able to pass them on, I suppose, and you're able to you know, because my best friend's mum passed away from coronavirus and not being able to physically be with her at that point in time and the weeks subsequently and the months subsequently to be able to sort of sit with her and be with her and to be with the family, not being able to do that as a result of being a pandemic was really hard. And so having to help her with her grief from a distance, weirdly having lost my own mum so many years ago meant that I was armed with the skills to be able to deal with that and to be able to help her navigate her grief. And those are things that I'm still doing now and to be able to help my family. We lost my great aunt to coronavirus. Being able to deal with all of those things, I think, weirdly, having dealt with such a big loss so many years ago, you know, it's 20 years ago next year, dealing with that level of loss so early almost armed me to deal with the awful year that we've all had regarding death and grief and loss 
that I think, you know, is, is, is <laughs> what we've had to deal with with 2020. It's, it's, it's the defining thing of 2020 is grief and loss and hurt, really. Um, and I think that I've been able to navigate that better than I realised as a result of having dealt with grief so young. So I want to round up this interview on a positive note and I'd love you to list three things that you're grateful for. Oh, I'm grateful for. Um, it's like Thanksgiving. It's like being at the table at Thanksgiving, Georgia. Um, I would say that I am um, uh, thankful that my parents raised us in the way that they did to be resilient, to be powerful and to be determined. Those are the skills that they gave us and and it's it's paid dividends for for both me for me and both my siblings because that's why we are where we are because they armed us with those things the second thing i would say that i am thankful for i'm thankful that that my family is is healthy and happy and thirdly i would say i am thankful for that chance meeting when i met my other half um uh, because as a result we have two beautiful children um who you know are very much reflections of us <laughs> my daughter she's only one and is already feisty your children it's like oh. you're like look at them like oh my god am i dealing with me <laughs> he is pure attitude um yeah i'm very you know i'm thankful for for, for that i didn't plan on being an older mum. i don't think any of us plan on being older mums um, and I hate it when people sort of go, oh, it's because you concentrated on your career. No, it's not. I didn't find anybody that I loved enough to have children with. That's basically the reason why I had my kids later on in life. It wasn't that I sat there and thought, oh, do you know what I'm not going to do is fall in love because I like being a journalist. No, that's not what happened. I just didn't find love till later. That's all. Um, but I am very, very thankful for that chance meeting with him. Um, because we have this beautiful family of which I'm super, super proud of. Beautiful. I just want to round it off here and say thank you to Charlene for this lovely interview. And we're going to leave it there. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Oh Shit Twins podcast. You can find me, Georgia Martell, on Facebook and Instagram at Oh Shit Twins. And please don't forget to like, share and subscribe.